Hey, everybody, just want to tell you about the coaching services that I'm offering. Phenomenal stuff right now. Literally, this is my favorite professional development that I've ever done. So basically, schools are hiring me, whether it's in person or virtual. I meet with teachers in small groups and tell them in, in 50 to 60 minute intervals, tell them to bring one or two kids that if we could really help one or two, it will have a ripple effect on your school, on your class, on yourself. That's what we do. It is spectacular because I'm helping teachers in the moment and there's nothing better than that. Go to my website, brianmendler.com to get all the information you need. brianmendler.com for coaching services. I'll see you there. Hey, one more thing. Don't forget to check out my brand new book, That One Kid, the second edition. Finally, the second edition of my national bestseller that came out seven years ago. Hard to believe that it came out seven years ago. But basically what I do is the coaching sessions I just told you about. I meet with teachers in small groups and I tell them bring one kid. And then I basically type up a one-page report of everything that we went over and went through. My wife was on my computer and she was reading these reports and she was like, you should do something with them. These are good. I'm like, what do I do? She's like, put them in a book for people who don't like to read. And that's what I did. And that's kind of what formulated my first book, That One Kid. And I called it That One Kid because at workshops, everyone comes up to me and they're like, I got this one kid. You know that one kid? Sometimes they say those two, but that one sounded better for a book title. Go to Amazon right now. Amazon.com is where you can get it. That One Kid, second edition. Check it out. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Brian Mendler Show. Introducing your host, fighting for kids everywhere, Brian, that one kid, Mendler. What is up, everybody? Brian Mendler back in your life on another edition of the podcast. And today I am super excited to be joined by my good friend, Lisa Tobin. And we've really gotten to know each other pretty well over the last, I would say, what, like two months? Yeah, I think so. It's good to see you. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. I'm super pumped about this. Absolutely. So special ed teacher, special ed coach, special ed person. I think, I mean, we've connected over a lot of things, you know, special ed people both love to work out, going to the gym. Tell me how, why special ed for you? How did you get into that? Oh gosh. (laughs) Do you want like the whole story? Sure. Give me part. Yeah. 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 Take me back. Okay. So I never really thought that I was ever going to be a teacher. And from listening to your your podcast and your guests that you have on, I think that's like the normal trend. Like I wanted to be an astronaut in elementary school. And then in middle school, I wanted to be a marine biologist. And that kind of carried through high school. And I mean, I live in Missouri. And I'm kind of like a homebody. And, you know, like I'm not near the ocean. So I feel like all the signs had been there that this is where I was supposed to be. I just didn't know until it happened. In high school, I was like the first pilot for the A-plus program for the two years for, to you know, you work and for your two years to get in for community college. So I did the A-plus program in the special ed room. In college, I actually changed my major like maybe like 50 times. And finally, my dad was like, listen, you got to figure this out. So in college, I just went just because that's what you were supposed to do. And I think I was like a social work major, psychology major, like all of them. And then my roommate happened to be working on this awesome project. And I was like, 
what what's that for? And she's like, oh, it's for my education class. And I was like, well, this looks like a lot of fun. Like, what am I doing taking like statistics and stuff like that when I could be doing this? And so I went in, changed my major, and here we are. I did a lot of work in college as a in-home ABA therapist. So yeah, special ed, I just kind of, I guess, kind of got led into it. And I couldn't think of anything else better for me to do. Like, I absolutely love it. That's awesome. You said you were not a great student in school. Take me back to that time. What, what, where okay. were your struggles? Really just academics. I, I think I nailed the social part pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> the academic part was a little bit of a struggle. I was not good at studying. Fourth grade was when I learned how to be a fake reader. You know, like when we did like the little book circle clubs and they just assign you a book. I mean, I could read, I could understand, but I just like, I didn't like to draw attention to myself. So I just sat there and played the game, you know, just mm. fake read. And then when you get pulled up and she's and the teacher starts asking you comprehension questions, you, you can't answer them because you didn't read it. Mm. So, you know, then you get kind of moved into a remedial group because I, now, according to her, you can't read. So, so yeah, that was that. And then college. I wasn't a very good studier in college either. And those eight o'clock classes kind of kicked my butt. I don't <laughs> know what I was thinking doing that. Sophomore year was like, I, that was the year I think that I switched to education. My GPA was like a 1.8. And my dad was like, oh, you got to figure this out. And you got, you better figure it out fast. So yeah, I had some college professors that totally took me under their wing. And I think that's where I had that teacher that really impacted my life was in college. Mm. <laughs> well, who who was that and what did what did he or she do? So it was Dr. Panagas. Actually, there were a few of them. Dr. Panagas, and she was one of my education teachers. Maybe she taught reading in some of like I think the special ed classes. And somehow I like I was her favorite. At least I felt like I was her favorite. She was the one that I guess enlisted that self-belief in me. And I knew she had my back because I had another teacher at that time that criticized all of my work. Like I would pump out the best stuff that I thought I could do. And it just was never good enough. And Dr. Panagas was the one that she had my back. Like she, she was the one that would fight for me. So what does that tell me what that looks like? Because I, I think one of the signs slash marks of an amazing teacher is that they make every student feel like you, they're your favorite, right? Like, yeah, like you felt definitely. that way and, and probably other kids felt that way too. What did she do specifically? Well, specifically, I mean, I guess just that connection, like I had no hangups just popping into her office if I saw her there. And she was just a, a real human, like you knew what was going on with her. She was very honest. She wanted to know what was going on in our lives and mm. wouldn't just be focused on her class. She would ask us about, I mean, me, like about other classes and other things I was doing and help me build those connections with people outside of school and in public schools to go in and observe or, you know, whatnot. So really building a relationship with you. Yes. Going yes. above and beyond. Yes. And, you know, thinking back to, and I didn't even think about that this until just now, that's kind of like what I do with my students too, you know? How? How? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, well, because I think yeah. a lot of teachers struggle building relationships with kids and connecting with kids. And there's different kinds of teachers, right? I think there's the mm -hmm. kind of teacher who goes into teaching because they like math. Right. And I think there's yeah. a kind of teacher who goes into teaching because they like kids and they want to be around kids. And so, like, sometimes if you go into teaching just because you're you love your content and that's great, by the way, I'm not putting that down. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. 
you struggle with the connection of kids. It's sort of like that age-old rhetorical question, right? Do I kick out the kid because the kid got in the way of my content or do I kick out the content because it's in the way of the kid, right? I mean, every teacher in the world sort of removes something from class every day. It's just, mm -hmm. which one do you remove? Us special ed teachers kick out content all the time because the truth yeah. is we don't really like it anyway, right? No. Like, I, <laughs> right? like you said, you struggled. I didn't go into teaching because I like Shakespeare. Now I'll put up with it. I'll do my best at it, right? I'll give you everything I have, but it's not why I was here. Meaning if you took Shakespeare away, I would still show up every day because I like the interaction with kids. But I think there's some teachers where it's sort of the opposite. You know what I'm saying? I do know what you're saying. And I didn't even realize that until being on the opposite end of the classroom. Because this is my first year not in the classroom and working with teachers. Yeah, I was a special ed teacher and I was a co-teacher. And I struggled in co-teaching because of the whole content stuff. Because I am such a people first person. But I didn't realize how it is a skill, you know, it's a skill. Like I thought it was, you just do it. Like it was just natural. So I think too, my defining moment, like I've always been good about building that relationship with kids, but it really, I didn't become, I guess the teacher that I needed to be really until I hit high school. I went through a lot of stuff during when I was a middle school teacher. So I started in the elementary school. Yeah, tell me the journey. Back me up. So okay. started started as an elementary school teacher. Yes. How long were you do did you do that? I think about five years. And what did you learn there? Like what did you learn as an elementary teacher? Other than, in my opinion, it's the hardest of all of the jobs. Oh, by <laughs> far, it's the hardest right? of all of them. Yeah. So I learned classroom management and routines. And I think that is a skill that all elementary, like I am so thankful for my time in the elementary school because you spend so much time on routines and that classroom management. Like my third year, I had 19 special ed kids in my quarter size classroom at one time. Wow. I was supposed to teach them reading. So, you know, that whole management, did we get a whole all, lot of reading? All one age, all one age or multiple Yeah, it was ages. all third grade, all third okay. grade. Yeah. 19 specialists. So what did you, how do you even tackle that? I don't even know, but we survived. Well, what did you do though? No, take me, like, think about it. Like what, when you say you don't know. Like, oh, four, oh, three, I had a parrot and I, we like would divide and conquer. You know what I mean? Yep. And just those routines and you always had that, that one. <laughs> That needs just a little bit more attention than the That's other. It's a great book title, by the way. That one, that one kid. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, you just, you learn a lot. You learn a lot about yourself too, you know, working with kids. And I think that's the thing that working with new teachers this year that I really try to focus on is like, oh my gosh, look at how much you're learning about yourself right now. You know, like this is a growth opportunity. What is something that you learned about yourself through that journey? I know for me, like one of the most important things that I learned is something that I wasn't good at, which was patience, right? Like yeah. I, I often knew what to do with kids. Like, I think uh -huh. that's what makes me good at my job now, right? Is like, uh -huh. I sort of know what to do with kids, but having the patience to actually do it was something that I often struggled with. Yes. I think that is the big one is the patience and, you know, letting go of perfection mm. and timelines. I think that's huge. What do you mean by that specifically? Well, you know, especially you're given your curriculum and you're supposed to get through this much in a certain amount of time. Well, in my world, we go on kid time. We don't go on curriculum <laughs> timelines, you know, 
in my mind, it is better to be solid in three skills versus the 20 that we're supposed to cover in a year. Like I would rather be solid in the, in the three foundational skills because the others will come with time. But if we don't have that foundation and we don't spend the time working on that foundation, then the rest of it's never going to fall in place. Agreed. But so like, I, I would say like one of the kind of pushbacks to that is what if my administrator sees that? Or what if they, they come in and, and I'm doing something I'm not supposed to be doing, right? Like I'm supposed to be teaching math, but I'm working on please and thank you instead, right? Mm-hmm. And like, how do you respond to that? That's a good question. <laughs> so I'm a close the door type of teacher. Me too. You know, like, yes, you cover what they say. But you really spend the time on the meat. There's forgiveness versus permission, right? Yes. Like there's asking for which one are you going to ask for? And and my rule in life is to ask for forgiveness over permission. Like if if I have to pick one or the other. Oh, most definitely. And I think too, um, I probably shouldn't even talk about this story, but it's such a good story. When you spend the time to build those relationships with the kids, they always have your back all the time. So there was, and this was in high school. <laughs> And you were teaching high school, teaching high school. This is my first year teaching high school. And this was when I had all senior boys. So I learned a lot that like you never ask, how was your weekend? Because they're going to they're going to tell you what they did over the weekend. You don't need to know all the stuff that they did over the weekend. But I think they had a substitute like the day before. And I was just like, listen, guys, do not make the substitute cry. Like we will we will celebrate if she likes leaves good notes, don't make her cry. I will bring in soda, whatever. Like we will celebrate if she comes back to substitute. (laughs) And so we're hanging out and, you know, just talking and building the relationships and the whole crew of administrators walk in. I mean, we got the principal, the assistants, all of them. They pick up their iPads and start asking me like curricular type questions. I'm like, what is going on right now? And then like the administrators walk out and they, everybody just like, I mean, they had like their feet up on the desks and everything. We're just like talking and they like totally had my back. Like we, they paused, we went back to like whatever we were supposed to be actually doing the English or whatever. And then we went back to just talking about whatever we were talking about to begin with. And then we got back to the work. So you're saying the kids had your back. Like the administrators came in and they immediately shaped up. 100%. Why do you think that was just because they wanted to support you? Yes, 100%. And, you know, and if you build those relationships with those kids, I I mean, I've had kids too that I thought that I had this great lesson. Like this was going to be fun. We're doing all of this fun stuff. It's, you know, and then there's that one kid that's like, I hate this assignment. It's absolutely horrible. And I'm only doing it because it's your class. (laughs) And then I'm like, Oh my gosh, why is this so bad? Like, tell me, what can I do to fix this? (laughs) But I think that's a great response. And I wouldn't gloss over that. Like, I think there's a lot of people who wouldn't respond that way, right? A lot of people respond, well, well, I'm the teacher and you're the kid. And this is what Uh we do here. And you, you, you listen to what I say. And when you respond the way you did, right, which is, oh, well, okay. Like, what don't you like? Or Mr. Mendler, you you know, I hate you. Okay, well, what have I done to make you mm-hmm. feel that way, right? Or Mr. Mendler, yeah. you're so stupid. Okay, like I'm not saying I'm not. I mean, I did pick this profession, did I not, for like 50 grand a year to be yelled at by you all day, right? But that said, right, uh-huh. can you tell me specifically what did I do or what have I done to make you feel that way? And when we respond that way versus the other way, oftentimes we see a change in kids. 
Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. So that was the elementary school and, and how you were there for, you said five years. Yes. I think I was there five years. And then I think like it all jams together. Like, you know, it all gets a little, well, give me about, about, so that, <laughs> then you went to middle school and, and you, what, what did you do at the middle school? So at the middle school, I was a co-teacher applied teacher where, you know, the special ed class, I had a resource class. I mean, really just whatever they need that year, you just do. Like, I don't think I've ever taught the same thing two years in a row. <laughs> Interesting. So, uh, What did you learn in, in the middle school? Middle school, that's when I learned about myself. That was the defining year of when I kind of got tired of my own crap and decided to take control of my health. Mm. So... That was at the end of my middle school years. What do you mean? You got, you got to explain that more. Like what do you mean specifically? Teacher anxiety was through the roof at that time. I mean, it was crazy. Like I would drive into work, probably get there about 10 minutes early just to sit in my car to talk myself into going. Mm. So my teacher anxiety was high. My Why? 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 Yeah. Do you really want to? Yeah. Okay. 2012. I lost my dad to cancer Mm. and 10 days after he passed, I had a baby. Mm. So his whole time with cancer, like I found out I was pregnant right before he got diagnosed with cancer. So my whole pregnancy like was kind of a blur because I was taking care of him. My sister and I were taking turns, taking him to his appointments, all of that stuff. And then when he passed, I had, I had a baby and then I had a three-year-old at home I had my classroom. I was still trying to keep afloat. So I never really had time to process any of that because it was like this traumatic event. And then, oh my gosh, I have humans I have to take care of. So I never really had time to process any of that. And I think grief is like, one, the hardest emotion to go through. And I think it's one of those that if you suppress it too long, it just comes out super, super angry. Mm. And I think that's what happened in 2017. I think my anxiety wasn't really like my work, but that's what I was putting the blame on. So I had made an appointment to go see a doctor and I just like random Google searched a doctor because after going through all of that with my dad, you know, you kind of get like some doctor phobia because you are, that's all you're doing is Mm. doctor after doctor and medicine after medicine and all of that stuff. So I just did like this random Google search and went and it was probably the best doctor that I had ever seen. She pretty much told me that I needed to start taking better care of myself. She gave me some empathy and then told me I needed to get my crap together. She was like, you know, you need to start digging into your faith a little bit more and you start reading some personal development. You need to start eating better and you need to start exercising. She didn't say anything about energy drinks, though, did she? No, she didn't. <laughs> that I need to stop. For, for everybody listening, Lisa loves her energy drinks. Oh my god! I try to. I tell her all the time. I'm like, you gotta stop this, right? But she, she yeah. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> so she actually sent me home with some medication too, and I tried it, and I actually ended up feeling worse than what I did to start with. So I was like, all right, I guess, I guess this is my sign. I need to start figuring out how to do the hard work that is going to pay off. So what was the hard work? All of it. Just trying to figure out because, you know, I'm thinking, okay, yeah, that sounds great, but I'm busy. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, I'm busy. I don't have time to work out, you know, like, yeah, I've always been kind of fittish up until probably that time of my life eating healthy. At that time, I thought eating healthy was turkey sandwiches and grapes, you know, navigating that and trying to figure out how to work that into my schedule. How did you do that? And how do you do that? I know you're an early worker outer like I am. Yeah. So, I mean, that was the key thing was just training my body to get up before everybody else did. And I think now I feel like I wasted my day if I sleep to like six or seven, which is crazy because like sleeping used to be my favorite hobby. I'd get bored and just like go to sleep. So, you know, that has been, I guess the game changer is really just getting up early in the in the day and get my day started before the rest of the world is getting started. It grounds me. It gets my mind ready. It helps me not yell getting out the door in the morning. You know, like trying to get kids out of the door. That's like, that should be an Olympic sport, especially when they're little, <laughs> you, you know? So doing that has had so much payoff, even during my school day, you know, I'm able to manage and work through things better, respond to kids instead of react to them, you know, because I have taken that time in the morning to ground myself. Mm. So there's a lot to respond to there. So actually, uh, John put up a graphic. Can you put that back up real quick? Because I, I like that. And I, and I was looking at the bullet points in there that the, there were the sort of the things that you did. It was no, I know there was like no alcohol was mm. one of them that jumped mm. out at me. There was a couple other. So what are those specific things that you've done to sort of make yourself healthy. And then the other thing, cause I'll forget that I want to ask you and follow up is you said respond versus react. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, yeah. tell me about that. So either, either order. Okay. So we're, we're looking at a graphic right now on the screen of Lisa. That's your Instagram, right? Yeah, that's my Instagram. So this one was actually my, um, my second, I was going to stop. Well, no, I wasn't going to stop being a teacher at that point. But in 2017, that's when I was going to quit being a teacher. But this was 2021 school year where my whole system crashed again because I was so busy at school. Like I can get so focused in stuff where I lose track of time. And, you know, we all that 2020, 2021 school year, I think was the most difficult getting back to school after that little COVID shutdown and not really knowing what to expect and relearning or I guess not even relearning, learning how to, okay, I got kids in my class. I have kids on my iPad and trying to figure out how to keep everybody engaged at the same time. Mm -hmm. You know, like it was a lot of learning. Plus you have teachers that were out. So you're, you're taking, you're covering for them and all that. So my whole system crashed again during that era. So that's when I went to see a functional medicine doctor. And that's what she told me. She said, we got to get your system regulated again. Like you have, you're depleted in everything. Like we got to, we got to get you regulated again. So that was a whole nother. Okay. Yeah. We got to tweak some things. Do you still follow this? Not as much because I've gotten pretty regulated. So I do eat bread, but I'm very picky about the bread that I eat. I go really light on the dairy because I don't think I'm lactose intolerant. I think I'm just sensitive to it. So I'm kind of picky on that kind of stuff too. I really don't drink at all. Sugar, oh, I do good with sugar until I go to my mother-in-law's house because she has my favorite candy. Sugar's a tough one. Sugar's a tough one. Especially this time of year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Like candy, I love candy. Like you can keep your chocolate, but if you have some Sour Patch Kids, 
they're going to go missing because I'm going to take them. I just think it's so important to talk about this kind of stuff because, and, and especially now in schools, and a lot of people get mad at me when I say this, and but the amount of junk food given out mm-hmm. in schools to kids is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Like there, mm-hmm. I kid you not when I tell you this, there is not a day that goes by where my children don't come home with some kind of Jolly Rancher or or lollipop, and it's all the worst kind of stuff for you. Like, mm-hmm. I'm talking about it is the processed, right? All the dyes, mm-hmm. all the sugars. And it's like, and I'll, I'll say to my kid, like, what'd you get this for? And they're like, oh, I, I behaved. And I'm like, Did, don't they realize that this is the stuff that causes <laughs> bad behavior? Like, mm-hmm. this stuff directly causes bad behavior, yet we're giving it out on a daily basis to kids. And mm-hmm. and I think I think all of it's connected. Like, it's oh, yeah. important for us to be healthy and to show a healthy lifestyle to our students. Yes, 100%. And being a high school teacher through a majority part of me, like navigating, taking care of myself and having to tweak, like the girls in your class notice, you know, like they notice, they want to know what you're doing and, or, you know, how to do that kind of stuff. Like they notice, like I had my, my planner and, you know, to show them like here, here's what I do to like get my thoughts out. Or if I'm feeling this, you know, these are some strategies that you can do and just eating healthy, you know, in high school and I'm sure middle school too, like these girls come in with such poor body image and they're, they're getting flooded with all of the boys stuff. too. It's not just oh, girls. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. boys too. Um, my, my, I mean, I, I see it in my own home. Yeah. yeah. You know, and social media does not help them. And then, you know, they come in and they're they're starving, but they're not eating because they think that that's healthy to do, you know? And I'm like, no, no, no. Like, you have to eat. You just, you need to make sure what you're eating is is good fuel for your body. Like, I eat a ton of food, but that's what helps me with my energy throughout the day. I always allow kids to eat in my classroom, too, because I'm going to eat, like, you don't want me hungry because everything's going to fall apart if I'm hungry. So, you know, I'm going to eat. If you want to eat, you can eat. There's a refrigerator. Like I had a little mini fridge in my classroom, like put your stuff in there, bring snacks. If you need me to bring something, let me know. I'll put it on my grocery list, you know. My rule was you could eat apples. So I kept apples and bananas in my uh-huh. room. So I used to keep a bag of apples and bunches of bananas on the back shelf of my room and mm-hmm. water. That was all you were allowed to drink. And that went for me as well. So yeah. I I drank nothing but water in my classroom and we ate nothing but apples and bananas. And the amount of kids uh-huh. who would come to my room that I didn't even teach kids uh-huh. that weren't even my students that would come in and be like, Mr. Miller, can I grab an apple real quick? Mm-hmm. And I, and of course, right. And it was often them saying they didn't get that stuff anywhere else in their life. Yeah. You know, and just like modeling what healthy can look like, you know, cause I mean, it really looks different for everybody. But yeah, you know, I think that's so important. And I I feel like there needs to be more emphasis on taking care of your health because that mental and that physical, mental health and physical health go hand in hand 100%, you know. No question about it. You you mentioned earlier respond versus react, right? Which I think is those two words are so often, I think we react versus responding. What do you Uh mean by the, the, what's the difference between those? I think of it as, okay, instead of reacting and being like, you know, you got this kid that walks in late or comes in, doesn't want to do the work or whatever, instead of get your stuff out, why isn't it out, getting in that power struggle, being like, okay, what's going on? You know, like, is there something you need right now? 
let me know. Is there, you know, if you just need me to leave you alone, I'll leave you alone. Whenever you're ready, I'm here. Just let me know what you need so we can make it through the day or, you know, continue on. Is there somebody, if I'm not the person, who is the person? You know, asking those Mm. questions instead of this is what we're doing now, you know, because again, if they aren't ready mentally, you know, like, I don't know what went home at home. I don't know what went on in the hallway on their Snapchat, you know, like, I don't know, but they're not going to be able to do whatever it is that they need to do work-wise that day if you don't take that time to see what they need. And I think actually you said you don't know, but I think actually we do know for a lot of these kids, like we do know what we don't often want to talk about it. It's not, it's Mm -hmm. not a fun thing to discuss, right? When, when a kid is, is dealing with abuse or neglect Mm -hmm. or, you know, parents screaming at each other all night and they don't get sleep because they're, you know, and, and, and like, and so sort of like we we kind of know that, but we do we want to really acknowledge that and pay attention to that? And mm-hmm. that's the kind of stuff, in my opinion, right, that when we know that about kids, it changes the game. And the other thing that you mm-hmm. said that I just want to respond to is, is questions over statements. That's, a, that's one of the staples that I use mm-hmm. in my workshops to avoid power struggles is, you know, every time we use a statement, I said, sit down. No, yes, no, yes, no, yes. Boom, mm-hmm. you're in a power struggle versus... Mm-hmm. Hey, come here. I have a question. I was just curious. Can you please explain to me why do you think it's okay to stand instead of sit? Or another one that I hear all the time in school, right? You probably hear it all the time. We don't talk to adults like that. I'll talk to you however I want. No, you won't. Yes, I will. No, you won't. Right? And again, you're into this power struggle. It becomes, hey, 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 come here. Come here. Come here. I want to talk to you real quick. Mm -hmm. I was just curious. And you don't have to tell me if you don't want, but if you don't mind telling me, could you please explain to me where in your life have you learned to talk to adults like that? Mm -hmm. Like, I was just wondering, like, who, and you don't have to tell me if you don't want, but who talks to you that way where you think that's an okay way to talk to me? Do you want to tell me? Because I don't think that's you talking in there. Who is talking in there, right? When we respond, right, which, mm-hmm. which is what I'm doing versus reacting and not only respond, but respond with questions over statements, typically we disarm the argument. People talk about oppositional defiant kids, right? You can't be oppositional to a question, right? Right. <laughs> Right. Which means that's what teachers say to me all the time. Like, how do I get these kids to stop being opposition? And I'm like, well, stop telling them to do things and mm-hmm. instead start asking instead of telling. And you, you'll see that the defiance typically melt away. Oh, for sure. For sure. What one of the one of the strategies specifically that I give teachers is if they want to practice this, pick one day of your life. And it doesn't matter what day it is, but pick one day of your life. Mm-hmm. And from the minute you wake up in the morning until the minute you go to bed at night, no matter what anyone does, no matter what anyone says for one full day, you're only allowed to use questions and see what happens. Right. <laughs> Mr. Mendler, what? What's the homework going to be? I don't know. What do you all think it should be? Uh-huh. You think it should be 10 problems, 15 problems. How about I give you 20 problems and you pick whichever five you want? What do you think mm-hmm. about that? Right. Or one of my, Mr. Mendler, what, what's the consequence going to be if we break that rule? Right. I, I don't know. What's mm-hmm. it going to take to get you to stop calling people names? I mean, you and I both know the first like 10 things I've tried this year haven't worked. Do you have any ideas for me? Like when you respond like that, right. You mm-hmm. see a whole different kid. Oh yeah. It like totally gives them all the control. Correct. Which is frequently the foundation of misbehavior, right? Frequently one of the foundations of misbehavior is, right, a kid desperately needing to feel power and control somewhere in their life. And that's typically because in many aspects of their life, like they feel like they don't have any control. 
mm-hmm. right? Things are so out of control in many aspects of their life that they're like, anywhere I can grab and take control for myself, I'm mm-hmm. going to go ahead and do that. And that's often what we see in a classroom, which typically leads to power struggle. That, that mm-hmm. One of my number one rules as a teacher is to avoid power struggles. Think of a power struggle like a landmine. Like if you step on it, it's going to blow off your foot. It's going to take off your leg. Like it will, it will remove your arm. Like it's that dangerous. So what you might have to go the long way around somewhere, because if you cut through, I'm not, I mean, you might not step on it, but if you do look out, cause your arm's going to be gone, right? It's not something that you want to mess with. Yeah. I mean, and the kid wins every time. So <laughs> almost like waste your energy, like getting in a power struggle with, with them. Have you ever had any, or have you ever, ever had any like kids that have said any like really inappropriate or disrespectful things to you? And, and if you have, how have you responded? I'm sure I have. I've been a teacher for like 19 years, you know what <laughs> I mean, like, I'm sure I have. And I think, too, the longer you do it, the less energy you have to feed into that stuff. How my years were set up, especially in the high school, when I taught high school, was I I was with the student from sophomore year to senior year because we have a freshman center and then we have 10th, 11th and 12th grade in the high school. So I was with them from start to finish of high school. So it's like once you build that relationship with your one group, then they kind of let the newbies know how it works in, mm-hmm. in the classroom, you know, how the culture works. Because my only expectations were I have a right to teach. Everybody else has a right to learn. And if you disrupt that, then you're you're not going to be able to stay. Like, it's up to you. If you don't want to do this stuff, that's fine. But it's not okay to keep others from doing that. And then my other expectation was we don't trash talk ourselves and we don't trash talk others. Like, Mm. you can say whatever you want to in your head, but we just, we don't need to hear it. Like, I say mean stuff all the time sometimes (laughs) in my head, uh, you know, about other people, but they don't need to hear it. Like, we don't need to Sometimes I wish we could just have a day where we could hear what everyone's thinking. (laughs) Wouldn't that be fun if there was just like one day? No, it would be fun where you could just, what is, what are they really thinking? Do you like inside like versus how they're acting? Yeah. So, I mean, those were my expectations and, you know, I had students say, if you want to hear her yell at you, say something mean about yourself because she will come at you. (laughs) So, Mm. so don't say anything mean. We only say good things about other people and ourselves. So that goes back to my elementary school years is really learning how to build that culture in your classroom. You know, like, and how to, when they walk in, like I, every day when they came in, they had the same thing, routine. We did the same thing. Their bell ringer was, and I started this in middle school. When I taught middle school, when they came into class, they had a gratitude, but they called it something different because like when you hear gratitude, you just kind of roll your eyes. And then we had just like an icebreaker kind of, and I called it a community building where just like some silly question, like, or would you rather, or something like that. So that's what they did. And being virtual and all of that stuff, it was all in our Canvas, which is our online little lesson plan. So then if somebody was absent or at home, they could do it. And usually they did that stuff before they even came to class. Like kids that had it like on, because we have our block schedule. So I have kids like one day in a different group, the other. Mm -hmm. I had the gratitude and the community building, like in a big discussion where everybody from all of the sections were in it. You know, and I never had anybody say anything negative to anybody because I laid that boundary down. Like, this is your warning. If I see any trash talking, like, you're, it's it's an automatic referral. Like, we just don't do that. 
So, so you mentioned the word expectation. I like the word expectation better than the word rule in general, because Uh I think a rule usually tells a person what not to do, no hitting versus the expectation of keeping your hands and feet to yourselves. How did you come up with the thought of using expectation? Probably through some kind of training that I said in where, you know, like, because we have norms and I think I started with like our classroom norms and I would like, I went through a phase where I would have them come up with the norms. Like we would Mm. think of all the things that irritated us in the classroom and write those down and then flip them into a positive on how we would want our classroom to run. You know, give me an example of that. Yeah. Like a norm. Like what would you, what, what would you consider to be a norm? Letting the teacher explain the lesson. (laughs) Got it. Not tapping your pencil. (laughs) You know, like they talked about all the things that irritate them in classrooms, you know, and some of the stuff like environmental sounds get me and it's crazy when like environmental sounds get kids too. They don't, they don't like all of that stuff going on. So, you know, and just giving them the control and different blocks would have like different things. Like we would go through and pick like maybe five norms for our classroom on how we wanted it to run. But then I kind of tweaked that into just the two expectations because that's way easier and it covers everything. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah. So you said norms. I always did values and expectations, right? And so Mm -hmm. for me, the value would answer why the expectation would always tell a kid what. Right. So like, for example, a value in my class would be be respectful or be responsible. Right. Based Mm -hmm. on the value of respect, we will keep our hands and feet to ourselves. Right. Mm -hmm. But we were just playing, Mr. Mendler. What's the big Mm -hmm. deal? Like, we're just friends. We're just playing. Right. Mm -hmm. And like my my response would be right. But your playing bothers 10 other people. And it's not that you're playing. It's that you haven't learned how to respect other people's personal space. Mm -hmm. Right. So my, my point is. Anytime a kid would ask why they had to follow an expectation, my my sort of thought process was I would talk about the value, right? Mm-hmm. So like, you know, responsibility was another one, you know, Mr. Mendler, right? Why do you, and based on the value of responsibility in my class, you know, I would say, bring a note, we're going to bring a notebook and a pencil or a notebook and a pen to class every mm-hmm. single day, you know? And, mm-hmm. and the kids would respond, well, Mr. Mendler, like, what's the big deal if I forgot mine? Like, you have 100 notebooks and 100 pencils. Can't I just get one? You know, mm-hmm. and my response was always the same. It was, well, yeah, like I could give you one, but it's not really about that. Like, it's more about someday mm-hmm. if you ever play on my varsity baseball team or if you ever mm-hmm. play in a marching band or you ever are on a, in, a, in, a, in one of those theater shows that we do at our school where your play, right, you, your position mm-hmm. affects other people, Right. How can I count on you to be, you know, going to an away game and 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 not yell from the back of the bus? Oh shoot, coach, I forgot my cleats. Or dang, coach, I don't have my. I thought we were wearing our red jerseys and I brought white. Like I don't want to hear that. And like if you can't learn to bring a notebook and a pencil to class every single day, then mm-hmm. how can I trust that you'll be responsible enough, right? And this is how I knew if I had a bad expectation, right? If 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 anytime a kid asked why do I have to do that, and I answered because I said so. Right. That's the way it's always been Uh or like because it's in our handbook. Like anytime I would answer like that, I would sort of check myself and be like, okay, wait, time out, right? Like maybe the kid has a point, like, but, Mm -hmm. but the goal is always to try to tie the expectation to the value. Yeah. And you know, like I would always be like, okay, when we're out on the job or when you have whatever career that you want, when you leave here, I can't sleep at night not knowing that you know how to keep your job. So I would always try to relate it to a post-secondary type thing, you know, because like 
that's one thing too. Like our kids get jobs, but then they don't know how to keep the job after they get the job. (laughs) So not just kids (laughs) teaching that along with it, you know, like my classroom cell phones, that was a big thing. Like I'm not going to get into a power struggle with you and your phone. If whatever's on there, it could be important. If you need to go out and call your mom or whatever, go ahead and do it. However, I don't stand up here and talk like the whole 70 minutes or whatever the block is. I just need 15 minutes of your time. So you know what to do. And you know, and when your boss is giving you directions or when you're on the job site doing whatever, you can't be on your phone. So we're going to practice that and learn when it's appropriate to be in your social media. And when it's not, I'm like, I get it. My friends are on my phone too. Like I want to hang out with my friends on my phone, but (laughs) you guys like you're important. So let me give you my attention right now. <laughs> it's the toughest. I think it's one of the toughest issues in school right now is, oh, is yeah. the, is the cell phone issue. So is that your sort of your stance or your take is, you know, cause I see all over like, you know, Twitter, it's like, we should take them. And, and I, again, like I, I, I see all sides. This is one I oh, often sure. don't see all sides, but in this one, I do see all sides. I, I mean, I, I have my phone with me all the time. Yes. Yes. And I get it. Like there were times where I wanted to take a kid's phone and completely throw it out the door, you know, (laughs) but we need to teach them when it's appropriate, when it's not appropriate. And then there were some, like I had a a girl that was always in her Snapchat, like (laughs) video, you know, okay, well, how can we use this in our class? And we actually, they started a little coffee shop. It was the best thing I've ever done in my whole teaching career. It was fantastic. I mean, we hit all the job skills. I had them come up with all the jobs and then they had to interview for the jobs and make their resumes and cover letters. We had managers. We had the whole shebang. We had the people that didn't want to be like be out and about. They were like in the back scenes, making advertisements, taking care of the budgeting and all of that stuff. But so I had her document like she was in her Snapchat. I'm like, OK, this is your job. Your job is to document all of the stuff that goes on behind the scenes. So we used, she used her phone and my gosh, she came up with all kinds of footage and stuff like I didn't see because I was busy with other stuff. So it was really cool. And that's the thing about the world today is the phone is such a part of our life. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's for many people, it's a money-making tool. It's a device that literally helps them make money. And, and I don't know, you know, it's hard to tell people not to have it on them. I just, Mm -hmm. for me, that's, it's better to teach them how to use it and when to use it. And, you know, and to take classes on internet safety and what you post and who you send it to. And we just had a thing with my nephew and niece are, our older, like they're 17 and my kids are, you know, my older kids is, is 10 and my, and my middle one is eight or nine. Mm-hmm. She's turned nine. But where like, it was almost like my older niece and nephew thought they were talking to kids their own age mm-hmm. and sent some things where I had to kind of go to them and say, Hey, mm-hmm. and, and look, I'm, they're amazing kids. I love them. But mm-hmm. just sort of a reminder that everything that you put out there is out there forever, mm-hmm. like forever. There is no such thing as delete. The word delete, forget it. It doesn't exist. Delete the word delete from your mindset because mm-hmm. anytime you put something out there forever, it will mm-hmm. live. And do you want that? And there's a lot of things that I do want that for, right? Mm-hmm. I want that. I want good things out there, but everything is out there. And you know, there's screenshots and there's how aware are we of this? And are we teaching, really teaching kids how to utilize them in school? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when it's okay to be on them and when it's not okay to be on them. <laughs> right. It's, I think some people think in school, it's never okay to be on them. Yeah. 
my rule is I don't really like the words always and never. Yeah. I, I think that I think two of the most dangerous words in education are the words always and never because there's constantly gray areas and there's constant evolving and there's there's mm-hmm. constant sort of individual situations that we have to look at in every instance. Yeah, you know, and and I think too, just teaching them like focus, which is very hard because I'd be like, okay, so if you came to me with this huge problem and you really wanted my attention to listen and help you work through this and I'm on my phone talking to my husband, how's that going to make you feel? You know, because that's how I feel when I'm trying to explain something to you for 15 minutes of the 90 block out, you know, hour and you're doing this and laughing and all of that. So it's it's the same concept. And then when you when you kind of switch it like that and like, oh, OK, like I get it. I get it. Right. And it, it basically becomes just another thing that we're teaching. Right. Another yeah. man like manners. It's kind of like, hey, mm-hmm. when you're talking to someone you don't interrupt, like you wait patiently until they're done and then you respond, right? And it's the same thing, you know, if you have your phone, think of your phone like another person, right? If you're in the middle of a conversation with someone, you're not just going to interrupt that by talking to someone else. You're going to finish your conversation or at least you're going to say, can you just give me one second? I just have to check this really quick and I'll be right back to you versus Mm -hmm. being, you know, I think addicted, which a lot of us are. Oh, for sure. For sure. Well, listen, these tags are crazy how fast these times go. These 45-minute blocks go quick. Anything that you want to leave people with? I always ask people that at the end. I don't know. Do something amazing this next semester. So, yeah, take care of yourself. You know, eat the nutritious food, move your body, all that good stuff. Keep your energy high. (laughs) Follow Lisa on Instagram. She's a fun follow on there if you want to see a lot of workout stuff and healthy eating stuff. If you don't want to see that, then don't follow her. don't follow me. Right, (laughs) because you will. You will see a lot. And I love seeing that. I do. I love seeing that stuff. I, those are my favorite accounts to follow um, because I that's a lot of what I am as well. And it's it's inspirational. It's motivational for me to see it. OK, well, like I was going to complain, but there's my friend and she's up and she's working. She already worked out. OK, fine. I can get mine in as well. And that's the goal. So. Lisa, you're the best. I appreciate it. It was so good seeing you. Everybody else, don't forget to rate, download, subscribe, review, shout us out. It was great seeing you. I'll be back with you same time in two weeks. Two weeks. Until then, I say peace. We're out of here.